Digital Drift, episode 67, recorded Friday, 17th of April, 2015, Jurassic Park 3. All our theories about raptor intelligence, what they were capable of, we weren't even close. They were smart. They were smarter than dolphins or whales. They were smarter than primates. I have a, a proposition I'd like to discuss with you. I've chartered an airplane to fly us over Isla Sorna, and we'd like you to be our guide. We'd love to make a contribution to your research here. We have a landing strip up ahead. You want me to put it out? Oh, what do you mean, set her down? You can't land here. What are you talking about? Hold on, I can explain. You cannot you just... land on this island. Oh, my God! This is the second sequel to one of the greatest and most important movies ever made. It's also my three kajillionth favourite film. I've been drumming my head on the desk in expectation of its review and I'm dreading giving it the digital drift treatment in the run-up to Jurassic World. Whether that fourth film is terrible or brilliant won't change how I feel about this superfluous effects reel. And we'll be handling the return to the island, or maybe the other island, which is going to have a genuine struggle to do worse in the next few weeks. Joining me once again on the Dinosaur Trail are my wife and co-host Sharon Shaw. Good evening. From Game Burst, Mr. Neil Taylor. Why, Joe? Why? And for an alternate view on movies and Game Burst, James Perkins. Fucking Barney. <laughs> yeah, that's what that kid was saying. Okay, rather than talk about Jurassic Park 3, I'm going to tell you about a really good sandwich I once ate. It was at the awesome. English town of Sandwich. It was mid-June 2006 in the throes of the World Cup, and I was with my buddy Matthew, bouncing from pub to pub looking for a good TV to watch the match on. And we thought to ourselves, it'd be silly not to take this opportunity to have a sandwich in sandwich. It was ham with fresh white bread, greens, and some very tasty mustard. Unfortunately, they didn't have a TV. Do we actually have to talk about Jurassic Park 3? Can we I'm talk about hungry now. We moved on to Maidstone and resumed in front of a big screen with a large enthusiastic crowd that was also being watched by the occupants of a fire truck sat outside the pub awaiting the inevitable riot when England lost. Or <laughs> won. We lost. Do we really have to talk about Jurassic Park 3? Well, Star Wars trailer was good. Speaking of ham, did anyone ever have Brannigan's crisps? They had ham and mustard flavour. It was awesome. I'll bet you can get them in a pub somewhere still. Do we really have to talk about Jurassic Park 3? I'm still really hungry. It's called Jurassic Park 3. It's, uh, you know what? I cannot like, sum up in words how good this sandwich was. But I'm exaggerating about how bad Jurassic Park 3 is. In the grander scheme of monster movies, it's not really all that bad. It pains me that Stan Winston and many other talented people may have been excited about working on this and probably put in a lot of hard work. Unfortunately, the end result is a highly imperfect showcase for these abilities that seems to have been made only to provide audiences with a sequel and Universal with another cash injection. Now, for the first time in the series, this wasn't based on a Michael Crichton novel. The original script was about two planes being separated over Isla Sauna, one with the 
kids on board and the other one with adults on board and we follow the children's trek over the island it's really hard to imagine that being worse than the version that we got that actually sounds a bit grim it it does how would they come up with a good reason for children and adults to be on separate planes because well they they explained it away with a single sentence oh thank god for the blah 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 Uh, apparently they threw out this first script but they absolutely had to go to the island to start shooting due to reserve dates that's the way it works with a film you reserve your place and you're like right we've got to be shooting there oh my god we've just thrown out the script we've got a week left we've got to start writing again quick go this means what we saw wasn't finished when they arrived or really when they finished (laughs) i mentioned it's hot young star alessandro novola who plays billy on twitter the last time i saw this movie and the actor himself angrily retorted within a few minutes blaming the lack of this script so i sympathize and i meant him no personal offense and i mean him no personal offense i didn't tweet at alessandro Novola. he just searches for anybody using his name online and sets them straight that doesn't mean i'm not going to point out repeatedly during this review that billy is one of the many problems this film has beyond the bungled for me yes the bungled rushed and half-assed screenplay okay before we do Billy, the original Jurassic Park cost, anyone remember? $63 million, wasn't it? Correct, $63 million. It's sequel, $10 million more. And this third one, despite losing historical Hall of Fame director Steven Spielberg, composing Grandmaster John Williams, a Crichton pen source novel, David Kep on adaptation duties, and the amusingly wry Jeff Goldblum, somehow cost $93 million? Oh, God. Even though all it had in common was dinosaurs. Well, and Stan Winston and, and that. A lot of other people were, were involved. And then Kathleen Kennedy uh, was in project producing again. Oh, yeah. You know. um, in their place, we got Sam Neill back, which is one of the only saving graces. First Avenger and Rocketeer director Joe Johnston. And I will remind you that I now really love First Avenger. Matrix composer Don Davis. What was the last film he did? Oof. Matrix Revolutions, and three curiously mismatched men on scripting, namely Peter Buckman, who <laughs> who ad- adapted Eragon, Alexander Payne, who wrote Election about Schmidt and Sideways, huh? and Jim Taylor, who, who wrote I Now Pronounce You Chuck and Larry. Oh, God, what a bizarre combination. Well, it's, it gets better. <laughs> he wrote, I now pronounce you Chuck and Larry with Alexander Payne. Yeah. So Payne's been up, he's been down, and he's been Jurassic Park 3. William H. Macy <laughs> and Tia Leone pose as millionaires who lure Dr. Grant and his handsome assistant Billy onto a tropical island with the promise of a huge payoff. Instead... <laughs> They're just boring nobodies, and after a lot of running around and screaming, there is no payoff. I can't believe I didn't notice that parallel until today. (laughs) Billy, to me, and this could just be my inference, is an unfeeling, slightly smirking, dead-eyed, potentially terrifying psychopath in the making. He doesn't behave like a human being. He hides his greedy, selfish group sabotage by theft of raptor eggs and then pretty much commits a rescue attempt suicide after Alan grumbles that he's a wretched person. I seem to remember, like, they bought him back at the end because, like, test audiences were like, we don't like how Billy died. It just seemed awful. And so they were like, Billy survived! Yay! Yay. 
Alan, by contrast, is a crumpled and somewhat aimless man, now years after dinosaurs have been brought into the world, still hammering away at paleontology and struggling to remain relevant. Ellie has married some haircut with a government position (laughs) and is enjoying a happy life of having absolutely everything, a successful husband, a nice kid, a book deal, a gorgeous house and that lovely smile. Alan mooches around like a ghost at the feast in a truly depressing visit with the one that got away. And there's a couple of other guys, including the late and much-missed Michael Jeter, who are there only to be horribly killed and partially devoured. Now, the CG had come on in the eight years since 1993 and mostly holds up pretty well, even in broad daylight. The CG, that is. The practical and animatronics in the shadows and at night especially in the rain, still possesses the meaty majesty it always did. However, a hell of a lot of the practical stuff, a hell of a lot, is shot in broad daylight. It actually kind of folds back in on itself as a series since the first movie feels like a glorious theme park experience and this third one actually feels like a documentary crew following around a panicky group of adults at an actual theme park, screaming far too much at the creaky dinosaur models. The fear factor imbalance is a serious problem. Since these are just regular people, they behave stupidly and with no understanding of the dinosaurs. Tia Leone is especially shrill and panicky. Understandable as she's freaking out over her missing son, but a far scream from Ellie or Sarah. Her hysterics overwhelm the group, and it's frankly astonishing she makes it through alive. Since she's making so much noise, she'd be like dinosaur bait. By contrast, the InGen-funded trappers in the Lost World aren't afraid enough of the dinosaurs, at least for the first hour, and treat them like they're unremarkable. And as a result, the dinosaurs feel unremarkable to us. Only the original balanced the fear, respect, and knowledge of the creatures with wonder and reverence. And then there's the Spinosaurus. (sighs) The production team decided, in their infinite wisdom, they needed to find a bigger, badder dinosaur to deliver something we hadn't seen before. They decided then to make their point by having it actually fight and fairly easily kill the T-Rex early on. Now, I could point out that the Spinosaurus and T-Rex never interacted with this larger predator predating our hero, because he is a hero, and she is a hero, by 30 million years. I could say that the Spinosaurus was largely a water-dwelling creature from Cretaceous-era North Africa, as opposed to the Montana area for the T-Rex. And though it did also travel on land as well as water, like the Crocodilius, it was still, by virtue of its frame, liable to be far less steady on land than the Rex. I could say that information on this creature is spotty at best, with modern understanding based on the now-destroyed sole skeletal specimen discovered by German paleontologist Ernst Stromer, and a few others that may in fact be a different species. I could say that at 49 feet from tip to tail in this found example, which was like 1913, this was like just after the first dinosaur skeletons had ever been discovered. This is when everyone was going dinosaur mad, like at the uh, turn of the last century. Uh, Relative to the largest wrecks at 41 feet, so 49, 41, ain't that much bigger. And that bigger doesn't necessarily mean tougher. For example, put a kitten up against a scorpion. (laughs) I could say that its long jaw with conical teeth, while perfectly designed to snare large fish, would be unlikely to be able to deal critical damage to a ravenous, muscular mouth on legs. 
I could even say that if they were going to stick to these particular pedantic dinosaur rules, then the Rex would have to be depicted as less of a fearsome apex predator and more of a scavenger that it now appears to theoretically be redefined as. I could even invoke the troubling implication that this Spinosaurus, as powerful as it is, seems more than capable of causing a series of extinction events across the island, wiping out nearly every other species. But instead, I'll just say that it's not a patch on the Rex in terms of iconic, memorable and beloved. It's just the same monster, pretty much, with a slightly longer nose, a bit more manual dexterity and thus not worth all of the above. The film is incredibly short for a blockbuster, weighing in at about an hour and 24 minutes, relative to like way over two hours for the first two. It's like two hours, six minutes, two hours, 11 minutes. The raptors are still impressive and seem to have evolved, indicated by their mottled green complexion and feathery crests. But because their manner of thinking has been tweaked, they seem less like wild animals and thus conversely less scary, especially as you actively want them to eat the cast. All that being said, there are a few nice, quiet conversations. The kid is remarkably the least annoying person in the film. The pteranodons are creepy and notable for being the only creatures appropriately veiled and revealed with a sense of purpose in the style of the first movie. The movie blunders from A to Q and abruptly stops as the cavalry shows up. It feels like a huge chunk of the first part of the third act is missing, as well as a finale as exciting as the original or as batshit crazy as its sequel. Again, that applies across the whole film. Now, I really do wish I could be more kind to the people involved. It's so hard to watch videos of Stan Winston, now sadly departed and very, very much missed, being so enthusiastic about the interaction of his animatronics with the CGI creatures, because this was the first one that basically managed to blend the two, I would say seamlessly, but that would be too generous, on screen at the same time, when their application is, in this case, and this rare case, I might add, so humdrum. The sudden realisation that the rich benefactors are just tedious bathroom fixture salesmen permeates the production in a way that does a disservice to the series. While the original was a sumptuous meal, and its sequel was a slap-up binge at Burger King, this feels like leftovers, handed to you in tinfoil, while you're sitting in a car, in a traffic jam, with a screaming baby. Jurassic Park 3. walking fucking plot hole yeah explain okay so i kind of i didn't appear on the first show but people that know me know i have seen these films quite a lot uh i'm kind of a little bit uh well i won't say anything but i i a super fan it, yeah, I suppose. Or ain't one. That's where funny Jurassic what? Park nerd. <laughs> yes. <laughs> one. A dino whore. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry. I like that one, actually. Um, so one of the things, if you're a big fan, you you know what dinosaurs were created for the park. Even if you're not, if you have the Blu-ray, you can pause it and see, because the scene where Nedry takes the vials lists every single dinosaur that they made for the park. Guess what's not on there? Spinosaurus. Yep. Okay. <laughs> so if you know anything... Also, 
if this is meant to be a, a, a the third in the series of films, this is the same island that the Lost World took place on. Yeah, Isla Sauna. Where was the Spino during the second film? Uh, he was hiding underwater. He was on a fag break. Yep. He's <laughs> <laughs> on a fag break. I can't be asked. He smokes cigarellos. That's, he's got to have them much longer. So, yeah. Also, a, another plot hole that's never, ever explained. Mm-hmm. What attacked the boat at the start? It, it would appear... And this is being very generous that they fly. Well, the the the, uh, the boy and, and his uh, um, guardian are parasailing over clouds, and then when the boat comes out from under the clouds, the the tarpaulin on top of it's been ripped away, and that the men, like there were two men on board the boat, have disappeared, and the boat's careering towards some sharp rocks. Pteranodons, except for the uh, it's shown that the aviary. Keeps them in. Locked. Yeah. When they get there. It's only when they they exit hastily that they don't actually lock the door. Which is why they get away at the end. That's the point they make at the end. They're flying (laughs) off to new territories. Yep. Yep. Completely agree. It's absolute batshit bollocks. I mean, serious plot holes. I love the redesign of the Raptors, to be fair. That is one thing I really do like. They... they, they, um, I think they were making more discoveries about dinosaurs at the time, so they sort of yeah. added to the uh, to the look of the raptors, which do look really great. I mentioned last episode that there were some really good ideas in there, like the the one of the overall arcing conversations between Billy and Alan. And for the record, I got it wrong. I didn't mean Billy was one of the better ones. I actually meant Eric. Yeah, yeah, no, Eric was one of the better ones. Eric. Billy's the Billy's but, the no, Billy's fucking terrible and deserved to have been killed. But um, <laughs> I really don't. He's like so creepy. He is kind of serial killer esque. <laughs> but um, again, I don't want to directly insult Alessandro Nivola because he'll he come might after find you. you and tell you off. Yeah, <laughs> um, I, I'm sure he's done better in much better films when he's given yeah. a script he can actually work with. And if I'm not mistaken, he's beginning to enjoy being you in Face Off. <laughs> he's Pollock's Troy. Uh, we oh, um, my, well, there you go. Then yes, he has done better stuff because Face Off at least has craziness. We saw Face Off with the We Hate Movies um, podcast playing over it the night before. We then watched Jurassic Park Three, so we basically saw his two biggest films at the same time. What, what did you say the difference between Billy and Pollock's Sharon? Oh, um, they're trying to imply that the uh, the line between sociopathic loner and um, sexy dinosaur expert is a pair of glasses and the ability to tie your own shoelaces. And a tight t-shirt. And a tight t-shirt, yeah. (laughs) Well, there is the other matter of the fact that as Pollock's Troy, he does sound like the Moog from Will of the Wisp. (laughs) (laughs) That's not one for the kids. It just made me want to watch Will of the Wisp. Will of the Wisp, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Oh, God, imagine Nick Cage as Willow the Wisp. Oh, my God. And John Travolta as evil Edna. (laughs) Oh, God. So, basically reprising his role in Hairspray, then. Kiss my bunghole, caterpillar! (laughs) So, it's the Michael Bay version of Willow the Wisp. Pretty much. Sorry, carry on, carry on, carry on. The John Woo Willow the Wisp. Willow the (laughs) Wisp! Carry on, sorry. The the idea of the communication between the dinosaurs, so trying to step away from like the the 
the sort of I suppose people think dinosaurs were stupid because they didn't have large brains and stuff, whereas this yeah. shows them as pack animals communicating, sort of like uh, lions, uh, well lionesses technically because they do the hunting. But uh, you know, I mean, they did they did convey that the raptors were smart and that they communicated in the first one. Well, yeah, the the scene in the kitchen. Yeah, but so it, I'm not sure what they're adding to this apart from the fact that the raptors actually have consideration for their eggs, but really all they did was transpose the Rex in the Lost Worlds paternal um, and indeed maternal, when they're both going at it, concern for the young one to the raptors. It's not a huge stretch. No, but at least they were trying to put some ideas in there at some point, I suppose. The more interesting story would really have been, instead of following, you know, Grant and and Psycho Billy, could we not have followed followed Eric until he was found? Because that would have been a yes. much more interesting it's story. Like Psycho Billy freakout. <laughs> I Psycho, said this. That if, would basically have been Riddick, but with uh, a kid on a dinosaur island. If Eric had awesome. been in this from early on, I would have been much more invested. It just seems to be sort of glanced upon how he survived for for eight weeks. Yeah. His his reaction is just simply, "Has it been that long?" Okay, moving swiftly on. So, all right, cool. So, it's dinosaur. Pig. Now that you've mentioned yep. it, that would have been so much better. It wouldn't have been like the average Jurassic Park film, but it definitely changes it up. The idea of you're just with this kid, and it's like, um, what's a film where somebody has to survive in the wild, but that doesn't end in them dying from eating poison berries? I was going to say into the wild, <laughs> or punching walls with broken glass, or. Oh man, <laughs> live or die this day. I'm not gonna punch a raptor. <laughs> I would pay to see Liam Neeson in I a Jurassic Park. Totally pay to see that. <laughs> <laughs> oh, uh, yeah, I mean, like, but the original description of like you know kids making their way across the island. I mean, we're transposing way better can like you know film types upon it. It would probably have been rubbish, like the little rascals meet Barney, but. <laughs> Barney. but yeah i'm oh I, I i want this i mean really if i had a choice i'd have this one stricken from the record because i want to imagine that grant and ellie went off together and stayed together it just seems to undo everything that we cared about in the original jurassic park in so many ways mm. oh yeah and there's the talking raptor it could have been worse there could have been a really ridiculous scene with a raptor but they managed it Alan goes to sleep on the plane and rather than the uh, shifty Chinese pilots bailing out and leaving the plane crashing and it's like oh my god we're not flying we're crashing Um, he wakes up and a raptor goes Alan and it's like no no not even like in a raptor voice he goes Alan and it's like what 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 am I watching and it just, it's just such a like like it's just I, I can actually imagine I saw this in the cinema but it was just me and my friend Tony uh, of uh, Digital Cowboys fame uh, because the girls wouldn't come to see this we saw two films that weekend this and E.T. guess which one was better <laughs> E.T. no contest to be yeah. fair I can't remember if it was the same trip, but it was definitely in the same cinema. So maybe that was a different visit, but I think it was around about that same time. I imagine in a giant cinema, imagine if everyone's drinking Coke at the same time and then that Alan bit happens. Mass spit take. Yep. <laughs> everyone in the back just like, like, like everyone in the back gets away scot free. Everyone in the middle is like, Bruh! what a 
watching. I do remember when I watched this in the someone behind me just went, the fuck? <laughs> and I think everyone just agreed with him because it was like, it was just a memory of, yeah, we did see that, didn't we? Yeah. I mean, maybe maybe this is better than The Lost World because it's so stupid. Or maybe not. Maybe it's the other way around. Maybe The Lost World tries to be smart. But I'm listening to the audiobook of The Lost World, and you're right, Neil. It's really smart. Told you. I'm getting really engrossed in it. And it's you know, it's all about, you know, what causes extinction and behavioral patterns and um like, you know, the lifespan of each species on the earth. And I'm like, I'm really engrossed in this. I really wish these two sequels had been much smarter. Yeah. It's it's a great book. Sorry to beat that guy again who says the book was better than the film, but it was. Right, it it wouldn't take huge amounts for the book to be better than the film, but yeah. <sighs> Going back to the Spinosaurus, please. Um, how, how did you know we were here? The phone, that stupid jingle from the store. I heard it. My phone. Yeah, your satellite. Phone. Where is it? I don't have it. When did you use it last? Uh, uh, on the plane. I got a call on the plane and. What? What? I loaned it to Nash. He must have had it when he... I'm going to get to that in a bit. Sarah but, said she can't hear her iPhone when it's in her pocket. I think... Let alone average... inside a great big fucking dinosaur. <laughs> yes. but, uh, the, the, the fact that when it switches from um, practical when it's biting the plane and to its CG where it's ev- everywhere else, the difference in size was, was completely off-putting. And obviously they hadn't really taken into consideration right... Let's look at how it is practical and then take that into consideration or vice versa. Mm. But the, so that was the first bit that I had a real problem with, um, with the See, Spinosaurus. That, that and that sentence, just sorry to interrupt, Midge, but that yeah. sentence shouldn't exist when it's biting the plane. <laughs> it did bite the plane, though. I know it bit the plane, but it shouldn't. The, it's a the, total plane biter. The idea that you have... A dinosaur biting a plane. Unless you are actively going for the full-on Godzilla, there shouldn't be a dinosaur biting a plane. Or it no. should look like the Chewitz monster. Yes! <laughs> the Chewitz monster comes out of Jurassic Park 2. <laughs> comes out of Jurassic Park 3. <laughs> Goes home, picks up a copy of Jurassic Park and just puts that in. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, Mitch, carry on. That's all right. But then, yeah, moving on to to the phone being uh, in its stomach because he ate whatever the throwaway the character's name was. Yeah, yeah the, the guy. Um, one of the many people in this film that I wanted to die and that great he- did. Uh, yeah, <laughs> whatever you want to call him. Uh, how thick is its body? And like you said, it... Very. it you can't hear your phone when it's a few meters away, and there. It's a very loud phone. <laughs> yeah, it's a it's it's a loud satellite. It's super phone. The fact as well that um, I believe this was uh, picked up on an, on another review that I that I read was when the T Rex in the original Jurassic Park was making its way towards the car, the explorers, um, 
you could hear its footsteps and everything was vibrating. Mm. That thing is bigger, supposedly, and it just appears out of nowhere, stood there looking at it. Looking Hello. At it, looking at them. Surprise. Where was the sound? Did it just sort of hover out of the bushes? It's a no. ninja. It's a, uh, no, no, no. We it's a ninja's, ninja's this, Taurus Rex. Me and my old housemate, John, christened this. The, the This is the solid snake of dinosaurs because it also does the neck snap on the T-Rex. So it's it's clearly yeah. engaged stealth mode. Anyway, uh, 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 there's a the bit when they, they 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 run and run and run and run, and it's just yeah. about to get them, and then they run through a hole in the fence, which just happened to be Convenient. exactly the distance away for them to run at full pelt and get through. But the way it's shot, if they saw that hole in the fence and ran for it. It would feel like you've got only seconds to get through. You've got to run within those seconds. But because it's shot in a way that it's like run, 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 run. Oh, there was a hole, and it's like that. that there's no tension there. It's it's more of a how are they going to get out of this? Oh, it's easy. There was a hole. When you're then- writing, if someone gets into a bad situation because of bad luck, that's good writing. If someone gets out of a bad situation because of good luck, that's bad writing. And seconds later, it. Yeah. crashes, through, crashes the fence. through the fence and then it can't can't knock down a little wooden door exactly what i was gonna say that fence is designed to keep dinosaurs out or in and then that door is basically a door with an iron bolt thingy but it's like that that fence actually looks stronger than that but even if it is like like the thing beats its head against the the, uh, the door three times and then goes you can pretty much hear it go ugh and wanders off. <laughs> bored I'm now. Bored. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> uh, yeah. It just proves to us bored now. Yep. Or bored. ooh, squirrel. <laughs> <laughs> Me must go crap out this phone. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. In the two in the, in the two hundred and fifty gallons of oatmeal. Yeah. Yeah. Also, folks, don't eat a big dinner while you're watching this because, like the the amount of shit that suddenly gets d- delivered halfway through the film. It, it, it's like, you hey, the- do you remember that shit pile in the first film? Well, now we got four shit piles. Yeah, it literally Are you the like- man who sticks his hands in the in the dinosaur poopy? <laughs> yeah, and then like, I don't know if it's an Allosaurus or something like that turns up and goes, uh, uh, and then buggers off again. It's like it's like this total non-event. Like, <laughs> what, what's this? What 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 are you doing with this? These aren't even set pieces. It just turns up and then goes, uh. And then wanders off again. And it turns up and goes, cameo! And wanders off. See ya. Yeah. Get my paycheck and gone. There's one bit of majesty when they're floating down the river and they go past the brachiosaurs and there are some ankylosauruses as well um, knocking about. And uh, it's it's a nice um, sort of kind of reminder of the original. But the brachiosaurs now look a little bit too detailed and thus don't look real, which is interesting. That is interesting. Maybe just that they looked so different from the original. That if you change them too much, then your brain starts going, well, that's not a brachiosaur. I know what a brachiosaur looks like. It looks like this. And your brain shows you a picture from the original Jurassic Park. Cheers for that, brain. Um, there was also another tiny little detail which I liked. Um, Ellie mentions, uh, I'm not going to get rid of the Jack Horner quote or something like that. Jack Horner was one of their consultants, and he actually has a little bit on the um, extras about how you know they were digging up. They went to this place in Montana, and they were hoping to dig up a T-Rex or two and maybe a Triceratops, and they found like 20 Triceratopses and 10 T-Rexes and all kinds of plants and stuff. And so the, the digging continues. But um, 
yeah, ultimately, in a world where dinosaurs haven't been recreated, uh, paleontologists are still absolutely relevant, and it's hard at work. Yeah, Jay. One line I did like in the thing is um, when they meet uh, when Alan meets up with the kid, and he they're talking about his two books, mm-hmm. and he talks about how he uh, he likes his first book when you liked dinosaurs. Yes. Mm. Again, Quite interesting telling. character arc that we didn't get to see. Yeah. I, I do like the, the interaction between Alan and that kid. Frankly, uh, he should have met the kid much earlier. I mean, really? That would have been a really great focused film if it had been the kid on his own for the first, first say, third of the film. And then after trekking across the island, he meets Alan Grant, finally. And then, like, the reveal of Grant is as cool as the reveal of the dinosaurs. You're like, at long last, Grant's finally touched down this thing. And, like... You know, then they have to get off Jurassic Park together, just a boy and this unconventional father figure. And, um, you know, he could ask him about why things didn't go right with Ellie and stuff like that and blah, 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 blah. Just keep it focused. Hmm. But they were in such a, a, an effort to sort of, like, take you on this big wild ride with all the family and the screaming and the monsters and stuff and to have a body count. That's the other thing. Like, the, first, the second film had this disgusting body count. So for this one, they had to kill at least two people. Did they? I mean, we know well, the dinosaurs are scary. They don't on really screen have to or off kill screen. anyone. What, in this? Oh, yeah, of course. Yeah, there are a couple of more off screen. Yeah, two people get killed on screen, and then there's those um, uh, guys on the boat, and then there's that guy. Oh, speaking of, is his name Steve, the one in the parachute? Ben. Ben. How could I forget Ben? Well, I could forget Tierley Ben, because only, only bloody ben. forgets him. <laughs> like she, she, she basically comes face to face with the, um, the, the desiccated corpse of her technically current boyfriend and the guardian of her child and she screams and freaks out as you would but it's in a kind of an ah way as opposed to a kind of like i've just come face to face with someone i was praying was alive and now definitely isn't and i'm actually really kind of traumatized by this and then when william h macy comes in and says oh i'm sorry about ben and then she goes it's not ben it's our son and it's like let us never speak of ben again you just showed more emotion with that little snippet there than she did throughout the entire film. Well, yeah. She does pretty much sleep, walk, stroke, scream occasionally through this film. She, she, she can be a really excellent actress. Um, some, but, of, some of the lines she was delivering just did, didn't feel... She just put no effort into it. <laughs> Lyra was saying, actually, when we started watching the film, that woman is stupid. She shouldn't be shouting into a microphone. She meant the bit when she actually has a... Um, uh, a loud hailer, like it's like a, a, a megaphone, but yeah. we hadn't even like got to that bit. This was just in the bar when William H Macy sidles up to Alan Grant and goes, "I want to introduce you to my wife." At which point, I immediately sort of like imagined Grant turning to Billy and saying, "Lynn, these are sex people." <laughs> what do you mean? They're sex people, Billy. Get out of here! <laughs> but uh, no, then he met Tilio and he was like, "Okay, this is getting good." Oh, and you're millionaires as well. This is really good. Oh, wait, you're liars. How the hell is Alan Grant hard up for cash anyway? Surely InGen paid him quite a bit to be quiet. They pointed out um, in the second one that um, Malcolm squealed and went to the um, press about it. But yeah, if you remember, Hammond said he was going to fully fund your dig for a further three years. I think that was if everything goes peachy. If everything doesn't go peachy, and it didn't... We fully fund your dig for, like, 15 years. For life. Yeah. So Alan really shouldn't have to be knocking around, like, needing, doing favours for uh, William H. Macy. 
plus wouldn't you check beforehand surely you know just go well some crazy guy that came into my uh dick yeah. site just said here's a load of money let's go for a tour of the islands sure why yeah. not there's um what an idiot it, he is and they had the internet in 2001 i know i used it <laughs> Um, these days, Alan would just whip out his iPhone and go, hang on, what was your uh, company called again? K Industries? Nope, no such place. Okay, right, so who are you really? But, of course, then you don't have a plot. That's why iPhones ruin everything <laughs> in terms of writing. And that's why I set mine as a period piece so that it would be like, no internet, score! <laughs> On that note, if you want a real jungle adventure written with character in mind, you should listen to Tiger's Eye the third story in my New Century series, available on iTunes right now. We're on episode four this week. Here's a clip. Journeying deeper inside, we pass through winding, narrow streets that close around us. I try not to make a sound, but I am clumsy in here. I cannot see in enough directions, and though the stars wheel overhead, the shadows throw unfamiliar shapes against every wall. Meagle says something. I growl softly at him to be quiet. He says something else in return. It does not sound entirely polite. There is a noise above me and to the left, and I whirl around to spy a horned ibex picking through the ruins above. Its yellow eyes narrow as it spots me, and we regard one another a moment. Then it turns and struts away from my sight. In a fit of frustration, I'm bound up and scale the nearest building, using the stronger stonework as paw holds and claiming the top to survey the landscape. I am looking at a labyrinth. It is at this point that I surmise most cats turn back, daunted by the prospect of traveling further into the heart of this place and being unable to escape but I have little choice. In the distance, I can see an enormous temple rearing up above the myriad rivulets of stone. From its front, the great head of a lion is depicted, set at a dizzying height to survey the lands. Though it has eroded over time, this baleful sight has my blood rushing. I am transfixed. Defying my progress on the ground, I set off over the rooftops, hurtling over the bones of this place towards the face of my forefathers. I spring, drop, scrabble, rebound, treating this as my hunting ground. The wind is in my whiskers again, and Meagle cries out in fright. No, excitement. New Century and Digital Drift are supported by Patreon. This means we don't have to get sponsors or try to make ends meet through advertising. All that hard work is paid for by many of you guys. Our special sponsors this month include Nick Grugan, Joel Robinson, Russell Osborne, Maureen Foley, Ben Hayes, Stefan Gardinia, Kieran Datchler, Lorraine Chisham, Livio Della Cruz, Scott Corzine, and Erish Traverse. Thank you all so much. 
along with everyone else who supports these shows every month. So there is actually, like like I said, a couple of nice bits when um, Macy, I can't remember what his name is, and uh, Tileone are just talking Paul. That's another thing. Like, she's yelling, Paul, later on. One of the reasons I changed my name from Paul to Alex is you can't scream the name Paul. Try it, folks. It doesn't work. Alex, Paul! You can't. Yeah, it doesn't work. <laughs> Paul! You realise Plex is now going, what? Yeah. <laughs> Absolutely no offence to people out there named Paul, especially Paul Shotton. But yeah, uh, Paul and Tia have a chat about, you know, I went, you know, I've been swimming, you hate swimming, da 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 And then they chat about, I think she says something along the lines of, was it like, I wish you didn't have to be here? It's something along the lines of, I'm, I'm sorry you, you had, had to, to be, be here. here, and he yeah. says, I'm not. Yeah, I'm not. And it's like, oh, that's a nice conversation until you pointed out that she's basically saying, I'm sorry you had to be here while I searched for my son. And mm. it's like, well, no, wait a second. Surely she should say, I'm uh, I'm sorry to say this, but I'm glad you're here because I, I wouldn't want to be searching for our son with anyone else, which is just a better way of saying that exact same thing. Mm. But, you know, that, that's is that the worst bit of Jurassic Park 3? That's... Is the, is the best, best bit of Jurassic Park 3. I mean, yeah, it might not be. There's there's a couple of other sequences, but there's no sequence in this which compares to any of the other two films that I can think of, really. No, it is. It's... it's I'm not going to say bland, but it's definitely generic. You, you know what I mean when I say about showreel? Mm. It really does kind of feel like it's like, hey, check this out, and how about this? And we've updated. It, it, it's box ticking. Well, we've got to have the Raptors, but yeah. we we have to have the T Rex. We'll put the T Rex in, but we need something bigger. And we, we do the Spinosaurus. Oh, we, we we keep promising the flying dinosaurs. We'll do them. The, the checkbox, checkbox, checkbox. Uh, yeah, done. <sighs> <sighs> yeah, it it really is this franchise uh, at this point in time uh, obviously we didn't know Jurassic World was happening and mm. we haven't mentioned any of the disastrous stuff that they were planning for a fourth film thank god uh, it'll give you nightmares but seriously um, why did you- Dino Crisis work by the way Resident Evil with dinosaurs I mean that should work it worked up strange enough it worked up until the third one. Oh, really uh, the first the the, the first two dinosaur dino crises were good Yes, the All second right. one's... I actually think the second one's really, really good. Okay. The trouble is, it, it got really up its own backside with its plot, because it gets into time travel. And me and Alex know what happens when we talk time travel, because I get a headache. Yes, understandably so. Um, actually, you did point out, and this makes sense, I suppose, a good, a good point, which is dinosaurs haven't been in more stuff because it's very difficult to get them into our world and our time without resorting to either they were created in a lab by people trying to recreate dinosaurs, which is very expensive, or time travel, in which case you've got so many other things to deal with at the same time, Um, which kind of means that dinosaurs are difficult to just sort of crowbar in another film we didn't mention that has got dinosaurs and actually does them really quite well is King Kong the uh, well either version actually which usually is the third of the the, the tropes which is a lost world a lost world yes which uh, thanks to the lost world book I have now realised is actually a scientific theory right so um, we've gotten off the track uh, as so did they 
Well, no. I don't think they ever got on track. It's mm-hmm. it's less. It's actually kind of less meandering than the second one. It's pretty much on point, but it's so on point that it, it rushes to the finish line like it's having a race with the audience. Like they're going to get bored in the next twelve minutes, so we're going to finish it early, shall we? It's almost like the teacher says, "You can go home now." <laughs> Plus, as well, at the end, with the phone call when they're going, when they're when they're submerging in the water in the Good tank, point. how how the hell does the river, the river, the river, the river? Which one, Mississippi? Translates as. Bring a contingent of marines in landing craft <laughs> and helicopters to Isla Sauna to the beach we're going to be alighting at in the next four hours. Got it? Ta-da. Good. The coordinates are blah, 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 blah. Because basically what I just said there is the only way that what happened could actually happen. Ellie is really, really and smart. <laughs> to make that happen, Ellie's haircut of a husband has to have really good connections. Because that's actually millions of dollars worth of uh, uh, military Empire. hardware. Yeah. Also, have an ending to your film. Don't stop. And possibly have one ending, not multiple, because I guess a bit tiring. And uh, we, we will try again. Is there anything else to say about this one? Because I think we can finish early. <laughs> it is. It, it, this this, this <laughs> film ding, 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 is a fizzle. In the loud burst, this is the fizzle. This is the ex- it's, it's, it's it's the part of the fireworks display where you go. Oh, is that it? All right. It's, it is. A I think wheel. if there was a giant synchronized coke spit for the talking raptor, there probably would have been a giant synchronized watch check at the point when it was like it's ending. And you're like, hang on, who did we miss a reel? Oh, thank God we missed a reel. <laughs> <laughs> okay, let's get out of here quick. No, 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 we we made a mistake. We we missed reel seven. No, 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 no you didn't. You didn't. We're done. <laughs> Hi. <laughs> um, okay, I will say at least that the Spinosaurus in the dark, in the rain, in the river, in its natural environment was quite threatening. But all it really did there was harken back to the T-Rex. As I said, the problem with the Spinosaurus, the major problem, is they're just doing T-Rex things with it. Yeah. Everything it did, the T-Rex could also do. So what's it really achieving? You could just cynically say, well, they wanted to sell Spinosaurus action figures and go, you know, this is the dinosaur that goes over 9,000? <laughs> no, no, it really doesn't. But I don't actually see why it had to kill the T-Rex to achieve that and that they had to basically just say, right, T-Rex is done, we've moved on. Because, because they wanted to say that. They wanted to, you know what it is? They wanted to flog more toys. And it sucks. It does. And you you know what, to be fair, I don't think you can even blame the director because Joe Johnson has done some really, really good films. Yeah. All right, yeah, he also did The Wolfman, but we can let him off. <laughs> the Wolfman, God. I am amazed at how the adherence to the digital effects in um, The First Avenger comes off so seamlessly. That, that you, like, they were, um, I'm reviewing another one of his films, that people were coming away from uh, the, the transformation scene and going, wow, how did you get that little guy into the muscle suit? And they were like, no, no, no. The effect was turning the big guy into the little guy. That's how seamless it was. And it and, worked. Yeah. And that was from, you know, Joe Johnston, who started on effects. And he was on the Star Wars trilogy. And he was always part of, like, Lucasfilm. And, like, I don't really think we can place the blame squarely on anyone, apart from possibly just a really rushed production schedule, lack of somebody saying, this 
has to be a great story first and foremost. We'll make it set in Jurassic Park and ultimately, whether it feels like a Jurassic Park story or not, it will be a great story. The problem was it felt like they were saying we've got to make a Jurassic Park fun adventure. You don't necessarily get quality necessarily just because of that. Mm. Using the name Jurassic Park does not give you a pass. Yeah. Like I say, it would have been better for for it to just be a really great story with some really great tight focus. And um, I mean, especially if you're just like on the ground the whole time and uh, you don't get that sort of feeling of, of a flipping back and forth. And it really does feel like this you, you're with this isolated person. You feel like you're lost on the island with them. There are many other things that could have been done and weren't. And I think this fizzled where it could otherwise have been like a... A, a shot in the arm. Yeah, kind of almost a reboot if you think about it like that. Because technically they're taking the existing format and playing with it to the point where they can actually refocus it. But instead, what they did was just sloppily slap like a, a fairly shallow perception of the format, you know, just on onto an effects reel. Mm. The the biggest problem you'll run into doing a Jurassic Park sequel, uh, which I, I, I'm looking forward to seeing how they do this in the world. But for, for two and three, you always had this problem of giving them a good enough reason to go back or to be on that island. Yeah. And that's that is your first and is a major hurdle because if you don't buy into that and you don't set that up well, a lot of the stuff that follows you're going to struggle with. Yeah. Yeah. You know, you have to have... And to be fair, the the reason why they're on the island in three is a really good reason. But but the, the mess that this film was in just proves that you can take that really good idea and really screw it up. Yeah. I mean, it made, it made the money in the end. Which is what they wanted. It was made without a firm intention, and this is what happens. Mm. Cash grab. Mm. I just hope that now that we've had 14 years since Jurassic Park 3... Wow. That... And that's three. Not the first one, that's three. Yeah, yeah, it's scary in itself. But the fact that we've had 14 years to look back, look at the mistakes that were made, and... The, you know, the positives and the negatives of all three of them, let's hope that all the positives are channeled into Jurassic World and all the negatives are rectified. And see, this is where, like, if, if a film in a franchise is bad, then the next one is surely going to be better. But then if a previous film, so if Jurassic Park 3 was amazing, then Jurassic World, everyone would be a bit more sceptical of it. Whereas now we're thinking... No matter what they put out, it's probably going to be better. But as I said, I hope that all of the negatives have been uh, corrected and uh, we've learned from the mistakes and the fact that there's been 14 years of thought and effort put in, that it's not just uh, a simple cash and grab. A major factor, I think, to be honest with you, is that the two and three suffered dramatically from some incredibly half-assed performances Mm. and i have never seen chris pratt use anything less than his whole ass so Mm -hmm. um, what a whole ass (laughs) well indeed so i think you know you're gonna have enthusiasm and um and effort regardless so it's gonna have that no matter what else comes out of it so i think it's gonna be fun you by and large if there's like a 14 year gap between films when they when they start things up again 
the reboots tend to at least be better than the the film which killed the series. <laughs> yeah, except this isn't a reboot. It it, 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 it is. Affects, well, we're not sure. We, we, we're not, this is going to date, but I mean, uh, in in all cinematic terms, it's a reboot. Previously, prior to Marvel turning up, and uh, and the uh, also actually technically prior to the idea of quadrilogies, in the past they tended to be restricted by trilogies. Now, the idea of the MCU and various other franchises have just sort of like exploded that and said look the way it works is you do a trilogy and then you come back and you either do a reboot or a continuation of said trilogy you know a lot of the best reboots are also continuations but i can't really think of of something that's been away for ages and then comes back and it's like wow that was rubbish you weren't even trying i'm sure there'll be many which uh, are exceptions to prove the rule but uh, by modern day standards have a think about it because, I mean, like, for example, Batman was away for three, four, five, eight years. And when it came back with Batman Begins, oh boy. I think Superman Returns disappointed people because they'd been waiting since Superman 4, which was mm. terrible. And that, that was, what, 1987 or something like that? And then nearly 20 years later, uh, Superman Returns comes out and people were like, why isn't he punching people? And then Man of Steel came out and everybody was why like, is he why punching is he punching people, people? so many times? <laughs> Let's see. The Mask of Zorro came out for the first time since the last Zorro film. Must have been ages. Jeez, I don't even know what the gap between that is. Yeah. Um, Strangely, curiously populated by the Welsh, though. Curious? Oh, yes, of course. (laughs) Well, it stands to reason that my daughter would be Welsh as well. We're the the Welsh Mexicans. (laughs) Do you know how a sword works? Yes, the pumpkin goes in the other person. The pumpkin goes in the other man. Stay tuned, folks. I love that film. Yeah, I'm going to start saying that. Like the whole "stay tuned," it's a, that's a we hate movies thing. It kind of it's a nice little promise to to lay down. You know, stick around. Speaking of we hate movies, one of my very favourite podcasts and one of the funniest. They also reviewed the Lost World this week. You should absolutely check them out. The payment is <laughs> yeah. I get to hunt and kill this thing. And it has to be a male. Don't ask me why. I have my reasons. Yeah, yeah. I buck, was like, is buck th- only. He keeps saying. Yeah, it's like, was that dude's stepdad a dinosaur? <laughs> like, I. <laughs> you know what? You don't get to bring on a trip to a dinosaur island a Walkman. <laughs> yeah, there's enough to entertain you. Yeah, yeah, exactly. <laughs> Oh, and see also our Benny Hill with Dinosaurs YouTube video of The Lost World. It's goddamn hilarious. And something just occurred to me because I was watching The Lost World today while I listened to the We Hate Movies. What the hell were all those Japanese tourists doing at two in the morning in San Diego in the street? Like, there's a lot of people up and about when that T-Rex is going nuts. A lot of people. Let's finish. Yeah, let's, I think let's we can all go home early. Fucking <laughs> <laughs> off. Okay. Um, thank you guys very, very much. We'll be back um, very, very soon to do Jurassic World, I think. Yep. And we'll please, see if all please, of this stuff is please, relevant. Please, please, please be good. <laughs> okay. Thank you guys very, very much. You're welcome. And we'll leave you on <sighs> fucking Don Davis's mangled version of... <laughs> No, no, don't do that to people. I'll I'll use the theme from the Rocketeer. (laughs) No, I'll use Denver the Last Dinosaur. Yes! (laughs) 
Okay, hands up if you, like me, were thinking of a winking raptor right there. We didn't like this film, did we? No, I mean, we had a dino crisis, if you will. Oh! And on that bombshell. (laughs) Good night, folks.